Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined today by my co-host, Nick Polak. Nick, how you doing? I'm impressed at how quickly you have adapted to saying Roar Lions Roar instead of Roar Lions Radio, because in my head, as you were saying that, I was like, I definitely would have said radio. Well, Nick, that's why I'm a professional. And by that, I mean, I, I, I hammered home after the last podcast. Hey, call it Roar Lions Roar now. Anyway, uh, last podcast did not have this Matt. It had a different Matt. Matt Filipovitz is here. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Bill, I'm good. It's a rainy day here, and I'm bummed that I missed the first episode, but I am so thrilled that we are back in in podcast form, and I'm thrilled that I get to see you both. I haven't seen... I saw Nick a little bit in 2020 when we did some videos, but Bill, I haven't seen you in a long time, a couple years probably. Poor guy. Uh... I want to, since everyone can see what Matt looks like here, I want to congratulate him for his, uh, the work that he's doing to win the starting quarterback job for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And on that note, uh, today is the day we are going to break down Penn State's offense. If you're hearing this episode, we're starting with Penn State's quarterbacks. This is episode one of our offensive preview, doing offense, running backs, wide receiver, and tight end, then offensive line. But first up, we're doing quarterbacks, Penn State's quarterback room, um, maligned might be the right word to describe how it is. Sean Clifford decided to come back for his sixth year. Clifford last year, more than 3,100 yards passing, 61% completions, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions, was Penn State's fourth leading rusher with 163 yards and two scores. Behind him, Christian Veyu, limited run, but at least in Penn State's game against Rutgers, he did impress uh, 16 for 26 for 238 yards, three touchdowns and no interceptions. For him on the year, uh, the third quarterback from that room, Taquan Roberson, has since transferred to UConn. But Penn State did manage to bring in a pair of true freshman signal callers. Of course, all the hype is around Drew Aller from Medina, Ohio, a five-star prospect. But there's also plenty of excitement around Bo Prabula, a three-, four-star prospect, depending on where you're looking, uh, from Central York High School in York, Pennsylvania, and... Nick, when I think about this quarterback room, the big thing that jumps out to me is that just as I think my, my general thought about the whole thing is that I don't know, like, I think Sean Clifford is a fine college quarterback. I don't think he's a guy who's going to get Penn State to a national championship or anything like that. But when I look at the other guys and I see their classifications on the roster are freshmen, redshirt freshmen and freshmen, I am really happy Sean Clifford is here. Yeah, like it's it's weird because you know everybody's really aware of Sean Clifford's you know limitations at this point. Like we've seen as good as he can be, but we've also seen that you know he, we've seen him for four years now. Like we know what he can do, we know what he can't do. So it in in that regard, you're right. It's it's really nice to have him back. It would be a really tough position to have a freshman, whether redshirt or otherwise, starting this year. I mean, like, as we've talked about, like, this kind of feels like maybe just a reset year for Penn State in general. So I guess in the grander scheme, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if this was the year they had to have a super young quarterback. But having Sean Clifford with the experience that he has in the office just affords you so much. um, It just gives you so much more wiggle wiggle room, so much more of a buffer while everybody else kind of figures out what they're doing on the offense. Um, But you kind of touched on it briefly. It's yeah, I'm happy Sean Clifford's back, and that's a big part of this. But the quarterback room in general, I mean, this is probably, for lack of a better term, the healthiest the Penn State quarterback room has been in at least a couple of years. Um, especially because, you know, 
obviously Drew Aller is the big name, but Christian Veyu, we've seen enough of him to know that he's at least serviceable and he's surely going to get better. Um, and then Bo Perbula, you know, in most cases you would probably assume that he could be a transfer candidate at some point and he still could be, but this is also a kid that grew up really wanting to go to Penn state and play for Penn state. So, you know, probably has a better chance than somebody else in the same situation to stick around a little longer. So it's, it's a really exciting room and, you know, I mean, Sean Clifford's not the most exciting guy, I guess. I, I, I'm pretty bullish on Clifford personally. I think he's going to have a great year, but I understand why others don't. But it's a it's a really good situation they have themselves in right now. Yeah, and Matt, over to you. I mean, when you look at this Penn State quarterback room, again, has four guys on scholarship who are in it, uh, with one guy being very old and the rest of the guys being very young. What are just your general thoughts on what Penn State has going into the 2022 campaign? Yeah, bringing Cliff back was important because these are young dudes, but I've often said on this podcast that change is very healthy in college football, and you know, Sean Clifford himself has experienced a lot of change, but I don't think his play has really elevated you know, since that original 2019 campaign under Ricky Ronnie. I think we saw what it could be in, in 21 under Mike Yersich for those first four and a half games, but actually it might have been five. Um but even after, you know, he he got hurt, he spent a lot of time still in the lineup, but they kind of pulled the offense back. And then even after that month they had off ahead of the Outback Bowl, he didn't come back looking really any different than he did, you know, in that Illinois game. So that makes me kind of concerned about really what he is. I, I do wonder if it was just a kind of a scrambled mess for that month, trying to see who was even going to play, who was healthy, you know, what is even your focus at that point? Is it just to get through the game? You know, is it really to improve your offense at that point? So I'm curious what what he looks like going forward. And then behind him, Christian Veyer, he's a big unknown. And that's a bad thing a lot of times. But we've seen more good from him than bad. This could be a case of, you know, he played up in Canada. He was an unknown. He went down to the Boas School in Maryland, playing good, you know, high-quality football in a good league. And maybe he was undervalued. I, I don't know. It's hard to tell at this point, you know, by the recruiting yeah, his, uh, I'm talking about. If I, if I may, his not having a senior year due to COVID really, uh, like, you could just tell that. I, I believe the quote from when he was at a, the Elite 11 camp heading into his, what would have been his senior year was something like, when it comes to just naturally throwing the football, he's there with everyone. But it's just the lack of refinement that comes from the weird path that he's taken. And of course, he didn't get a chance to really uh, really do much of anything because of uh, because his senior year of high school was taken away from COVID. But sorry about that. Go ahead. No, you're Boy, good. And he real, was still real, ready. Flip, you didn't, you didn't think that Clifford took, a, took another step in the beginning of 2021? He definitely took a step, but then he, he took it right back. If you know what okay, I'm saying, okay. like he had those great first five games. He looked really good. He looked confident. The offense looked explosive. They couldn't run, but I mean, the offense looked pretty good passing the ball at least. And then they take a step back after he gets hurt. Understandable. And then I don't know the extent of it, his injuries, but he had a month off between Michigan State and the Outback Bowl. And do you think he looked fine in the Outback Bowl? Because I went back and I watched those highlights and he never looked like the player he was before. I don't know if he wasn't fully healthy, but a month is a long, especially because he was playing mm -hmm. the whole time. Like you have to imagine he wasn't, you know, in a sling. He was just banged up. And then if you have that month to go back out there, he didn't look any better to me. So to, that, to, that's where I'm me, a little bit concerned. Yeah. To me, his issue with the out, like the issue in the Outback Bowl was really twofold. One, 
Penn State just decided – Penn State's offensive coaching staff, James Franklin, whomever it was, decided Penn State was not going to run the football in that game. Despite the fact that Kayvon Lee was having his best game of the season, like he legitimately could have gotten 100 yards, 100-plus yards in that game if they just decided to ride him. They decided Sorry, that's they not allowed. Going to, yeah, yeah, apologies. They, no, Nick, we'll, we'll talk about Nick Singleton next podcast, folks, but that might change. Uh, but – it looked like they were saying, Sean, just go out there and do, like, this is your game. Play your game out here. And the issue that came with that was he didn't have his safety blanket. Jahan Dotson did not play in that game. And he just looked like a guy. And this, this I think this is a good chance to dive into uh, kind of our second bullet point here, which is just our level of confidence with Clifford. And the thing that concerns me about him, I think he's a good steady hand. I mean, I, I have the numbers up on my computer but with a 4,000-yard passing season and with uh, 43 career and f- with 43 touchdowns, he would be the Big Ten's all-time leader in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Obviously, that has a gigantic asterisk. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this off there, but it's actually a very funny list. Uh, gigantic asterisk. He's going to be a four-year starting quarterback, and those four years are going to be a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, and redshirt super senior year. But despite that, we have seen Clifford take steps forward. Nick mentioned the Auburn game. There was the point that uh, Bill Connolly made where he talked about before he got hurt. Clifford had a top 10 total QBR in the country, 85th from that point on. He ended 47th nationally. My concern with Clifford is and continues to be that he just has a really nasty tendency to – Get caught up in the – this is something we talked about heading into last season. Get caught up in the chaos, get sped up, get all these things happen to him. And, yes, there's obviously the fact that Penn State couldn't run the football last year. Yes, there is obviously the fact that outside of Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington, Penn State didn't really have a consistent uh, – you know, really confident, consistent third option in the passing game. Yes, there's the offensive line issues. Yes, there's all the stuff about how Yersich was his third offensive coordinator in three years as a starting quarterback. But the thing that I think, and Nick, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. The reason that, you know, on a scale of one to 10, maybe I'm a, I'm a five and a half in terms of confidence on Clifford, maybe a six, something like that, is – the Sean, the issues that we have seen with Sean Clifford over the years as Penn State's starting quarterback, just the stuff between the ears are stuff like he's never really, maybe he's never been able to fix them, or maybe he has never been given the opportunity to fix them. But the fact that we are still talking about him the same way, in terms of stuff he might be limited at, the same way we were talking about him heading into the 2020 season. I am a bit concerned about that. What say you? I I don't think that's unfair. Um, I'm trying really hard to put myself back in the headspace of the, like right after that Auburn game. Right. Because I feel like, like I think we would all agree that that was the player that he the, was the best of first, Sean Clifford. Yeah. Those first five weeks yeah. that, that Sean Clifford, I think is the guy that we would have seen all year if not for the injury. Um, really? You think against, he could have kept that up all season? He did it against the two best defenses they saw. I don't see why. Well, well, well ca- kind of, kind of. Iowa, I, the Iowa game, right. you know, he ha- ended up getting hurt. I mean, he did was able to move the ball on them, but also of the 
you know, he threw 25 passes in a quarter and a half of football or whatever it was. And he threw right. two interceptions with no touchdowns in that time. So like that is, I do think that's important to know, even though his total QBR in that game of 93 was his highest of the entire season. And I will wow, add the caveat. High? I will add the caveat too that the first interception against Iowa clearly trying to throw the ball away and just got his legs swept out and it he lost all the strength yeah. on the throw. And then the second one was just that deep ball kind of throwaway. Um, but regardless, still still bad throws. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think your original point is fair. I think it's, it's obvious. And you know, it's the reason that Penn state isn't in the top 25 right now, right? Because there are still legitimate questions about Sean Clifford and what kind of his, like, I I think we all agree. The physical tools are pretty, they're pretty good. He doesn't have like this. He doesn't have an amazing deep ball, but he can get it out there. He's got great mobility when he's healthy. He, when he has the opportunity to, he can move around the pocket, all that stuff. His accuracy is good enough, but those same questions have always been, you know, the mental side, not letting the game speed up on him. And um, to that point, I, the original thing I was saying, I thought he was, I thought that was improving. I thought we saw that improving at the start of 2021, because I feel like his decision-making on, you know, when to take off, when to hang in the pocket, I thought it was much improved from what we had seen previously. Um, but then obviously after that, we saw an injured Sean Clifford and you know, that the injury kind of took away his ability to make the decisions for better or worse, because he couldn't take off and run if he, even if he had wanted to. Yes. Um, it's fair, but you know, I like, I, I, I would think that with the benefit of finally having the same offensive coordinator for a second season in a row should go a long way to helping clean up some of those some of that mental side, like just give a little more comfort in his decision-making all that jazz. Um, but obviously, like you said, like those are not questions that are necessarily fun to be asked at this point in his career. Yeah. And Matt heading over to you, just like, I, I, I think that if I am, a, you know, we'll say I'm a five and a half on Clifford. We'll say Nick, we'll, we'll say Nick's about a seven. Is that fair, Nick? Yeah, I, I might even go seven and a half. Yeah, sure. W- w- what would you put that number out of 10? Probably like a five. I want to say okay. he definitely raises the floor of the team, but I don't know if he raises the ceiling. And, and as a sixth year guy, that's what gives me my biggest amount of pause in that if you're coming back for this sixth year, in theory, you have something to prove and I really just don't know what there is to prove and how he's going to go about proving it after what we saw to close out the campaign. Like I'm really trying to put a lot of stock into those first five games, but I just can't shake those last six or seven out of my memory because he was definitely healthy enough to play. Like the staff didn't put him in harm's way, if you want to put it that way. He, probably they did a little Let's bit. Let's not say definitely. We all watched the Illinois yeah, game. That dude couldn't move. That's true. That's true. But I, it, it's still part of like the overall Sean Clifford experience. And we've really just seen like a real Jekyll and Hyde throughout his three years. We've seen, you know, I'm, I've said many times, I think 2019 was the best season under James Franklin. And he organized that. You know, that was still... It was more run heavy than what it was before, but he still got the ball out there. He still fed, you know, KJ Hamler, Jahan, Fryermuth. He still ran an offense with those weapons, you know, and, and he was successful doing it. And he did it again for five games. But there's the whole what happened in 2020 and then what happened the last seven of 21. So it, it, I have to just be 
you know, right in the middle of that zero to 10 scale, I think, after seeing those two things, I think he can have a really strong season. Am I expecting, you know, Kenny Pickett? No. You know, am I expecting like a pretty good version of Brock Purdy at Iowa State? I think that's reasonable, but what does that, what does that get you? So I, I, I do think you make a good point, Nick, with the second year in the offense. I think I'll have a much better command of it all, but you know, that's kind of assumed. So he really has to be a master of it to really take that next step and take the team you know, to a, to a 10 win season, if that's what we're looking for. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned what he has to prove and how he gets there and all that, like obviously the bet and, you know, this might be a little unfair because, you know, just how good he ended up being, but obviously the bet is that, you know, he's a senior season like Kenny Pickett did where Kenny Pickett was, you know, I'm looking at his numbers right now. His first year as Pitt's starting quarterback, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions, 58% completion. Second year, 13 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 62%. Third year, 13, nine, 61%. Fourth year, 42, seven, 67%. (laughs) Uh, He was the ACC player of the year. He was a Heisman finalist, first team All-American, parlayed that into a first round NFL first round pick in the NFL draft. Uh, if, but if you ask Pat and Arduzzi, Sean, they still threw it too much. Right. They threw it far <laughs> too much. Uh, if, and, and listen, if Sean Clifford can, I'm not saying do that. I mean, if Sean Clifford do that. Great. He can throw for 3,600 yards, which would be an improvement on what he did last year by about 500 yards. If he could throw for 30 touchdowns, which I believe would be a career high. It's either a career high or second. Yeah, it would be a career high. His career high is 23. So 30 touchdowns, 12 fewer than Pickett. If he could turn the ball over seven times via interception, which is seven, eight. Like that guy is a guy who can help Penn State get to, you know, that Auburn game is a little less daunting. That uh, Penn State game is a little less daunting. Purdue game is a little less daunting. If he's the guy that he's been this entire time, that's when you start getting into questions with him, Nick. And I'm not expecting a Kenny Pickett year out of him. I think that, again, I think that's just putting such high and quite frankly, it's unreasonable to say my expectation is he's going to be able to do what the first team All-American quarterback and Heisman finalist did last year. But I think if he doesn't take a step towards that, that's that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I, I feel like for me, when I'm thinking about what I want to see from Sean Clifford this year, I don't like I don't I don't really have any like statistical marks that I'm expecting him to hit or anything. I more just want to see, you know, that it's actually a callback to like 2020. I I remember saying that I thought, you know, kind of low key that KJ Hamler leaving the offense was going to be a good thing for Clifford. Um, Cause we talked about how often that he would key on Hamler and just, you know, when in doubt, just chuck it up to KJ. And I, mm-hmm. we talked about how we thought that maybe his departure would lead to him, you know, kind of forcing him into a position where he'd have to be a little more, um, you know, thoughtful and spread the ball around a little bit more. That didn't happen because Jahan Dotson became the next dude and Parker Washington or Mitchell Tinsley could very easily become that next dude this year. But this seems like the type of receiving core that should uh, afford Clifford the chance to become a more complete, sorry, my dog is barking a little more uh, complete quarterback and just have a, my God, Um, and just calm down, brother. I I don't even know what he's barking at. (laughs) <laughs> um, but it should, 
It it should this this is a everything about the way the offense is set up right now. You know, should be the best offensive line in several years. Should be a much improved running game. A talented you know and spread out wide receiver core. Theo Johnson and Brenton Strange another year in. Like all the pieces are there for this to be a very good offense, and it's going to give Clifford a really good chance to show that he has the potential to be. I'm not going to say he's going to be drafted to be an NFL starter, but he could very easily latch onto a team somewhere as a backup to start at least. Like this is his chance to do that. I just want to see him show command of the offense. I, I I'm inclined to agree. Uh, Matt, do you have uh, any final things you want to add before I do the fun thing that is uh, brand new and never before heard on this podcast? Uh, no, I, I think we've kind of dissected Clifford as much as, as we have to. I mean, he, he's, he's the guy it, it's his show. I don't think anybody's going to push him. I just don't think anybody's ready. Um, I do like the pieces behind him. Um, I think Aller is going to benefit greatly from a year learning under a four year starter. So let's just, uh, let's see what he has. He has in his bag of tricks. I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do against a Purdue secondary in a couple weeks. Yeah. So we will talk about Drew Auer and Penn state's backup quarterback room in a second but first we would like to introduce the pod's new sponsor home field apparel if you are a college sports fan on the internet you are surely aware of what home field apparel is but if you're not home field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of indianapolis they're right in the heart of big 10 country they are keenly aware of how weird all of us at penn state are and that's important for a thing we will get to reason but i own home field apparel t-shirts i own home field apparel hoodies crew necks uh sweatpants basically what home field makes i make it a point to purchase everything they have is comfortable it's unique and they take the time to make sure that the things you get make you feel closer to your school uh, i've talked to some folks at home field about their process how it works they're looking through old yearbooks they're looking through old newspapers they're making sure that everything they put out has a special and unique tie to the school and to me that's really special Matt, I know you are likewise a home field apparel customer. I mean, I, even if they weren't about to do the thing that we're going to mention in a second, like I, I really, uh, I really am happy that I own several things from home field in my, uh, in my uh, wardrobe. Yeah, I own a few that I have no connection to. I have the the Zot crew neck for UC Irvine. I'm very proud. I went to a bar one time and somebody started talking to me about uh, the Anteaters, which was really fun. I own Sad Jonathan, the Husky uh, shirt, which I think um, I think I wore that like going out with a wedding party uh, in Oklahoma this summer, which in hindsight was probably wildly inappropriate, <laughs> but really funny. And, and I own a Louisville uh, basketball one, and, and I've never even uh, been to Kentucky, but it's a cool shirt, and I'm a big fan of all their stuff. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Bill, they have uh, they have some pretty cool stuff coming down the pipeline here. Yeah, I, I made my last purchase through them uh, was a pair of their sweatpants that they made when St. Peter's as a 15 seed made it to the final four. And they are now my new favorite pair oh, nice. of sweatpants. And in the midst, and right now they are in the midst of their annual event launching new schools. It's called Big Saturday. And this week, Homefield announced that Penn State is its newest school it's going to be a collection with 15 pieces of apparel it launches at noon on august 13th and if you are a new customer you can use the promo code roar lions roar all uppercase and you'll get 15 percent off your first order again new customers promo code roar lions roar all uppercase 15 percent off your first order and as an added bonus you know they track their sales they make it a little bit of a competition 
now number one biggest first day in home field history is the University of Florida, and they think that Penn State can challenge that. Let's make it a point to go out there and let's beat Florida, uh, because the last time Penn State and Florida played in football, Matt McGoin threw five interceptions and the Nittany Lions lost the Outback. So remember, promo code Roar Lions Roar. He threw five picks in that game. Go back and watch it. Gary Nova. That's right. I've heard about Gary Nova. (laughs) One (laughs) last time, promo code Roar Lions Roar. You'll get 15% off of your first order if you are a new customer. Let's get back to the podcast and let's move on to the guys who aren't Sean Clifford. Uh, Your preferred backup, Nick, in this uh, Penn State quarterback ecosphere, if Sean Clifford gets hurt, if the season kind of goes off the rails a bit, who do you want to see be the guy who comes in and is splitting Clifford for a series, a quarter, a half, or potentially longer than that? Yeah, so the first guy off the bench this year should 100% be Christian Veiu. Um, Not that I don't love the potential of Drew Aller and Bo Perbula. I really do. I think both of them have a chance to be really fantastic quarterbacks. Um, but Christian Veiu has been here. He's been here for the full year now. Um, we saw him do a pretty decent job once he, you know, that he he was not the first man in line in the Iowa game. The coaching staff was very clear that they didn't think he was ready at that point. Um, and later in the year, he finally did become ready. And the results, I think, were pretty good. I mean, his overall numbers are a little inflated considering 67 of his passing yards came on a wide open pass to Malik Mega against Rutgers. But overall, he didn't look, you know, he didn't look flustered. Like he didn't look out of place. He looked like he understood what he was supposed to be doing. So if it's, you know, if Clifford needs to come out for a series or something like that, I think it has to be value. Now, if Clifford were to suffer some sort of, God forbid, some sort of season-ending injury like that, then I think you start to maybe consider working in one of the true freshmen instead because, you know, Veiu is, I think Veiu has a great future as well, but I think it's pretty clear that Aller or Perbula is going to be the quarterback of the future, most likely Drew Aller. Um, So I think if it's a long-term thing and you know that Clifford's not coming back, then I think you maybe start to consider Drew Aller instead and just kind of let him take his lumps, let him learn the game at the, at the college level, on the fly, all that all that stuff. Um, but I think if it's just a short-term thing, I th- think it has to be Christian Veiu. Yeah, uh, worth mentioning um, the reason that Veiu didn't, for, for my money, the reason that Veiu uh, didn't come in earlier in the season when Penn State needed a backup quarterback was, uh, I'm not convinced that Penn State's game against Iowa would have looked any different if Christian Bay was in there against Taquan Rovers. And I think you know, that was just throwing someone into a hornet. And then, of course, uh, the exact opposite of a tense game against Iowa is a November noon kick against Rutgers at home. So I think that's probably where, uh, you know, you know, I think there's a lot of, well, why, uh, still this day, why didn't they come in against Iowa? I basically think that's it, but neither here nor there. Matt, same question to you. Uh, preferred backup in the event that someone has to come in for Sean. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be CV. If you think about it, Veyer is the last true freshman Penn State quarterback to throw a pass since Christian Hackenberg. I think that's accurate, and he did that despite not playing football in 2020. I mean, Levis didn't play in 18. He only got in in 19 as a redshirt freshman. 
Cliff got in as a redshirt freshman against Pitt in 18. Um, and then it was McSorley for forever. So I think it's been almost a decade. So Vayer is in, you know, kind of uncharted waters at that point. The redshirt rule didn't exist really before that. So I'm not comparing him to Christian Hackenberg because I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Um, but that says a lot about where the staff thinks he's at and what he can be. I, I, I think he's better than his uh, recruit ranking made him out to be. And, you know, only what, three games into his career that he actually played. That's really all we're still going off of. So I think it's got to be him. I think the other two guys are at least a year away from seeing any kind of meaningful snaps, barring injury. Yeah, I, I mean, I basically agree. Well, well I, I basically agree with Nick, but I think the important thing is that if they're in practice every single day and they determine that Drew out, as much as I respect Bo and I want him to stick around and I want him to be Penn State Stetson Bennett for all intents and purposes. I think if they're looking in practice every day and they decide that Drew Aller is just not ready, he's just not going to be ready, whatever that might look like, I don't want to see him this year. I want him to use this year to get himself to a place where you're maximizing the likelihood that his time in Happy Valley as the quarterback recruit that Penn State has been looking for forever, especially in the playoff era, that when he steps onto the field, he is ready to help Penn State build towards a national championship contender. If that means he never plays this year, I know there are some people, and there is definitely some merit to this, who believe that the best thing for someone is experience, the best way to learn about college football is to play college football, then throw him in there and let him go. If that is not the case, if he is not 110% ready, physically, mentally, whatever it might be to be able to contribute to Penn State winning football games this year, I don't think Penn State, if, you know, going down the stretch under any circumstances should pivot to focusing on the 2023 season. So if that means their best option to win games this year, Drew Hour, put Drew Hour in. But having said that, I am inclined to believe it is going to be Christian Veyu the entire time. And I, this is why having Sean Clifford back is so big because I would, as much as I'm a fan of Veyu's game, I don't want him to be in a situation where he would have to be Penn State's guy. If Sean Clifford left, you have to think that Penn State would have been very active in trying to get someone in the transfer market. That fortunately didn't end up happening. This lets you bring Bayou along a little bit more, lets you bring our along a little bit more slowly. Whole, you know, just all that. And I think that's such a big thing for this QB room. But having said that, I think it's going to be Bayou blowouts, you know, candidly blowouts in either direction as I think of my local college football team. Uh, in if Clifford ends up picking up a knock and he goes down, if you know, just all those circumstances, it seems to be Christian Veyu's job to lose, which leads to our final question before we end this episode of the pod. And Matt, I'll start with you. Just broadly, do you think we should do our play competitive snaps this year in, under any circumstances? Uh, yes, I do. Honestly, I do. I think November's pretty light. You know, I don't want to count anybody out in August yet because everybody's optimistic in August. But I mean, the, the meat of your schedule is coming, you know, with this 
Auburn trip, the Purdue trip, and then you get Michigan and Ohio State in October, as well as Minnesota, one of the better teams. I think um, if there's going to be room available, it's going to be in November because I think that's when a true freshman can be ready. You know, later in the year, like you just said about CV, you know, the reason he didn't go in October because he probably wasn't ready yet. He was still probably getting that offense down. So I think November um, is a realistic timeline. If, if they're blowing somebody out, you know, whether that be Maryland, Rutgers, I think Northwestern's in there and who knows, it's an even year. So who knows if Northwestern's going to be good, um, <laughs> but that's definitely an option. So, and then real quick, one thing I do want to say about, about Prabula before, you know, I, I acquiesce my time. Um, I, I've said before, Penn State needs the three-star. They need the three-star guy who loves the program and is going to be an option in a pinch. And I think that's Prabula's floor. He's a guy who, if somebody gets hurt, can come in and hold things down for a couple of games. And that's his absolute floor. I think that there is so much value in having a guy on your roster who loves the program, grew up rooting for the program, and is just going to know his role and play his role. So to have that guy, and it's not going to be this year because thankfully you can redshirt him, but to have the guy, you know, maybe in 2023, 2024, if, you know, dudes get hurt, you have the guy who's learned the offense, who's taken the reps, who probably won't transfer, but who knows in this new era, but there's value in that three-star. So I, I'm excited about the room as a whole, and and I think the floor is much higher than it was last year. Completely agree, and Nick, uh, final word here from you, just do you think we see Drew Auer play for Penn State this year? Yes, I agree with everything that Flip said. The only caveat I will add is that I I don't think it necessarily has to be Drew Aller. I think if Bro if Bo Prabula is putting himself ahead in practice, I think we could see mm, Prabula okay. instead of Aller in those same snaps. Um, but otherwise, yeah, totally agree. I think that um, any, any opportunity that the staff gets to get whichever one of those young kids time actually on the field against live competition. I think they'll take it. Yeah, that, that seems totally fair. And I think that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you go to get your podcast. And of course, as we mentioned earlier, use the promo code roar lions, roar all updates. If you are a new customer for home field apparel for 15% off of your first order. Last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. For Nick Pollock, for Matt Filipovitz, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.